Hello and welcome to a special show of the Veteran Gamers Overseas Connection and Gamesman Podcast. There you go. How about that? <laughs> Easy for you to say. I know. I know. Sounds like mouthful. It does. Well, it is. It. Do you know what? For an Englishman like me from the north of the country, that is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, unlike a black pudding, which sometimes can be a mouthful, but it depends how you eat it. There you go. You like your food, Chris. Have you ever had a black pudding? You know what that is? I have, I've, had, I've had a black pudding. I have to say I do like it. I might be one of the only people in the world that does. No, no honestly, where in my neck of the woods, where I come, everyone loves black puddings. They're, they're a tasty treat. They're good. Well, I, was, I was quite fortunate uh, when I was in college to do an internship in the U.K. over one summer. And uh, I lived in a U.K. Army barracks and got to eat U.K. Army food. And it was, uh, it was something. Whereabouts in the U.K. were you? I was about – so by train – I don't remember the name of the town because it was a small town. But by train, it was about 40 minutes from London to the west. All right. Okay. About then. Just trying to think which side that'll be on. But anyway, that's that's not really the place you need to go to get proper black pudding. You need to go to a place called Bury, which mm. is in Lancashire. And uh, I yeah, have to make another trip. You will? I, I plan yes. to make back over to the UK one of these days uh, once my kids are old enough to appreciate it. Appreciate. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. It depends which bit of the UK you go to, but some parts I guess you can appreciate. That is. <laughs> but let's let's go around. Who we got here? Well, I'm here. Uh, the daddy or Stuart Fowler, I guess, as I'm known to other people. Uh, and who else have we got? We've got Greg here. Yep, uh, Greg DeLacy, Murphy's Law from the Overseas Connection. Yeah, and we've got Steve Conger. Yes, also known as JSS Lifelike on basically every gaming service imaginable. I, I think Jeff. you had that on recording, Steve. Yeah. I swear, <laughs> you sound exactly the same every time you say it. It does. Do you know, it's that, smooth, it's that like little roll at the end, though, isn't it? That little... Changing pitch. Do you know what I mean? It's just smooth. It's just smooth. It's all about the delivery. It is. It's very smooth. And we've also got Christopher Matthew here somewhere. Hello, everyone. Uh, You've heard me talking about food and my travels to the UK. CP Matthew on Steam and PlayStation Network and CPM1376 on Xbox Live. Also from the Overseas Connection. Nicely done. I like it. I like it. But we are here for one thing, really, and that is to dissect and spoil the shit out of Mass Effect 3 and, and the whole of the series, I guess, because, you know, we'll probably have to give some mentions to previous installments. Um, yeah. So what, what I'm going to start off with is, basically, this is, this is what they said about Mass Effect 3, right, at the beginning. If a, if a saved file is imported, right, imported into the game, over a thousand variables are pulled that will help shape how the final chapter is experienced. So that's, that's what they said, prior to this game coming out. Do, do, would, you, would you first of all say that's true? Well, when, when, when exactly did they say that? Do you know? I have By no chance? idea, but this is, this is quoted okay. that they said a thousand, very, so a thousand different things that might be different in your game will determine the outcome of, of Mass Effect 3 and the whole story as a whole. I have a hard time believing there's a thousand different variables unless you're talking about armor choices and weapon choices and mods as well. In which case, I suppose you could make that argument. That's a big claim, I guess. But I mean, I mean, did you feel that your your story was unique to you as a player? Oh, mo- most definitely. In my conversations, actually, with Chris and with Mister Conger, it seems that uh, as we were discussing through story and plot points, which we're going to do in, in this show, I kept coming across things where I was just like, "Wait, that happened for you? 
I, I never saw that. Or, you know, oh, I totally went about it differently. So I definitely felt like it was a, a different story. I don't know that it was immensely different, but definitely was different at times. This is kind of where I, I sit and think, you know, maybe Bioware was wrong in the way that they framed the Mass Effect series from the beginning. It's not so much choices and results and outcomes as much as it is custom tailoring the tale to you. And by saying that, I mean that they want to give you a an experience that is, this is Stu's experience. This is the way Stu's Mass Effect trilogy played out. But now, Greg, I might be still in a little bit of your thunder and maybe a little bit early, but you had made the comment to me, and, and this really stuck out in my head, that maybe the final chapter really isn't the final chapter or the end of Mass Effect 3, but those decisions could affect the game as a whole being the final chapter and not just the end. guess that depends on the ending you got, does it not? Well, it's certainly the, the Mass Effect 3 was the final chapter for Matthew Shepard. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's Dunsky. Yeah. yeah, I think the same could be said for mine as well. But I mean let's I mean let's just go over sort of characters that you saved from from two because obviously some died, some didn't in mine, but I don't know, did anyone get the perfect ending in two and saved everybody? Yes. I, yep. And you know, this this goes back to kind of one of the things I, I actually didn't like about Mass Effect 2 in the way they kind of put that out there and it was one of the things I actually had a very difficult time with Mass Effect 3 is all these people running around saying oh did you get the perfect ending did you get the good ending you know to me all the endings should have been good endings or or potential endings and just because you had a character die off didn't mean it you know you shouldn't be thinking of it as I didn't get the perfect ending um I purposely did not go back and play the finale of Mass Effect 2. I lost Orion, Tally. Wow. Yeah, I lost her in the finale of Mass Effect 2, but it's the way it went down. And I left it as is. I was like, that was my ending. And and so, you know, as I got into Mass Effect 3, I heard people saying, oh, you know, I want the perfect ending. Did you get the good ending? Did you get the bad ending? And and again, this kind of goes back to I think Bioware did themselves some disservices with the way they presented your final choices from Mass Effect 2 and even going back to Mass Effect 1 with the, the Paragon and Renegade stuff. Do you not think that's sort of a fault of the internet though really? Because back in the day when there wasn't such a thing as the internet and you played a game, whatever happened right. happened. But with 2, you know, there was loads of sort of blogs or spoilers or walkthroughs out there that told you exactly how to save every member of the crew and the decisions you had to make. Whereas I'm with you, absolutely. I feel that, you know, my shepherd had his story and the decisions that I made as him were what was going to happen. And I had no compulsion to go back and change any of that sort of stuff. Right. And I agree, Stu. I think it, it absolutely is a problem with the quote-unquote internet. I also feel it's also manifested from the achievements and trophies because a lot of this stuff gets tied into that and so people, you know, associate the good endings with getting the achievements for having all your crew, crew members survive. Or, you know, the Renegade, you know, 100% Renegade or 100% Paragon, you got an achievement for it. And I think that that really kind of forced players to make decisions they wouldn't normally make for the sake of being Paragon and Renegade. And then, ironically, in Mass Effect 3... 
they had Renegade and Paragon options, but they, they were meaningless in that there weren't achievements tied to it anymore. So there was no reason for you to go full Renegade or full Paragon uh, for you know any kind of achievement. It just was options. Um, and that's actually how I think it should have been from the get-go. But I'm, I mean, what, I'm going off track here. I apologize. What do, you, what do you think, Chris? Because I, I have to actually agree with you. I think the problem is when they're trying to tell an interactive story and then it crosses over into a game and then it's the game elements that spoil the story almost. Well, I agree with I agree with Greg in that there are certain things that shouldn't have been tied to achievements. Uh, going full Renegade or full Paragon, you know, shouldn't have been one of them because that that makes you do decisions differently in the game because you want to get that achievement. Uh, so you know, you said in Mass Effect Three there was no reason to go either full Renegade or full Paragon, uh, and you know, because of, or at least no reason for achievements. And I think you're absolutely right. And I thought that was a good thing. Now I ended up maxing out my Paragon uh, because that's I just always play that way. I I'm a, I'm a I'm a sap. What can I say? Uh, but that ended up benefiting me in the end, and, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But you know there were some options that were available available to me because of that that weren't available to some other people. Uh, but I agree they shouldn't be part of an achievement that does kind of change the way you play the game. Well, I mean I think as gamers we're all inherently you know compelled to min max, right? I mean, and and the the achievements and the trophies just make it that much worse. And and I think yeah, the availability of the internet and now you know with powerful computers in the palm of our hands, uh, the the access is always there, you know. And and I do think that morality systems, the blues and the reds, have been something that is broken for sort of a long time now. I think it's interesting, you know, if you if you take a game like L.A. Noir, for instance, that's that's similar for me because people were trying to get the perfect interrogation, you know, what I mean, rather than going with the gut instinct. And I think it's a similar sort of story here that you want to either be full Paragon or you want to be full Renegade, you know, and nothing in between, really. Greg, did all your surviving two as well? Did you sort of get everyone through, or did you say you lost one in your no, tally? I, I didn't. Yeah, I did lose tally, so she was uh, she was lost in two, and then for me, I actually I had completely forgotten that uh, Rex did not survive from Mass Effect One. Yeah, I that had that as one. well. Yeah, I yeah. have that too. But he did well. You say he's a big one, but he's not really because you're getting replaced with Grunt, so it makes right. no difference. Well, it makes a difference in three uh, as you're as you're wrapping up one of the main story arcs. Would you know? Possibly, but to... we'll come into that maybe or maybe yeah. not because obviously Grunt just takes his place from what I can see. Well, Grunt takes his place as far as combat goes, and then there's another character called Reeve that takes his place right. as the Erdnot of the clan. Uh, or the leader of Clan Erdnot, or whatever, right. Um, right. and there's dip, there's a that can play out differently depending upon, you know, if if it's Rex or uh, Reeve. Yeah, no, I didn't know. Obviously, I wouldn't know that because I don't have him. I've not had him for two games. He was gone. Well, I think that's the first. Isn't that, that like the first shot him? <laughs> yeah, Ashley. Don't mess with Ashley Williams. <laughs> yeah, so I I lost quite a few and I, and it was quite interesting because it it was a while playing the game before I noticed the board of remembrance in in the ship, you know, because I didn't spot mm-hmm. that at first. It took me a while. Yes. To, yeah, I was like, wow, all those people have died in my game. I'm really crap now, at this. <laughs> now, one one of the cool things was I don't know if you noticed that board updated. Oh yes, I noticed. As you played, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because I, I regularly I, went to look to see how many were in there. <laughs> well, added another one. Damn it. I, I, had about, I think I had about 36 or something in there. They actually counted yeah. how many were. Yeah, there were. There were quite a few names on my list. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit crap at that. Um, so the way I thought we'd go through this is to look at the sort of, rather than, I mean, we could talk forever about the smaller story points in the game, but I thought what we'd look at is the sort of the main quests, really, the ones that affected the story the most, and possibly how they played out differently for each of us, dependent on decisions that we made, I guess. So the first the first big one was was sort of the Krogan cure. Did we, did, you know, did we sort of cure them? Did we not cure them? You know, how did that go for you, Greg? So that was a funny one because uh, from the get-go, I was pretty much kind of hell-bent on I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to uh, basically let the Xolarian deception continue on and, and wasn't going to say anything. And gives you the opportunity... Uh, as you're talking to uh, uh, Morden and you're talking to, for me, it was, I believe it was Reeves and the Queen are in there. And you have the opportunity to tell them and, and to say something. And I kept keeping quiet. And then I got another opportunity and I kept quiet. And then I started listening to the Krogans discussing, specifically Reeves, and this may have been different. With Rex speaking, so I don't know. And that was one of the things that I thought might have been a big difference maker. But Reeves is very uh, hostile in his conversations about how he wants to deliver payback. And how even though you know we were going to cure the, the genophage, that once it's cured, you know the Krogans would come back to power and the universe would feel their power. And, and really kind of talking very... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't even, I mean, not terrorist-like, but I mean, you know, uh, kind of left-wing or extreme right-wing, however you want to look at it, you know, leader, dictator. And, yeah, but, but did you not think as well the Krogan Queen just slapped him down and sort of went, you know what? Well, that was, that yeah. was kind of the, the saving grace. It was like yeah. the Krogan Queen seemed to have a lot of kind of control in the situation, and she had some good, like, level-headed comments to make. And so as I kept listening to her, it started to change my mind and think, well, maybe there is hope for the Grogans and maybe we do need to allow them to continue on and, and, and prosper. And so I ended up on the third uh, opportunity, I told Morden. And that's when he went and, and decided to uh, you know, go up and cure the genophage and, and in a sense kill himself doing so. Um, but I'll tell you. I, I really did struggle with this decision. It was one of the, the decisions I really went back and forth on, uh, and it was really just last minute that I switched my mind. And wow. I loved that feeling that I, I really was really you know contemplating back and forth on which way I wanted to go. You see, I guess in a way this is where it sort of – maybe the emotional stuff goes a little bit because in my Morden had died in two, so I lost him. So he was just some okay. some random scientist. So it wasn't anyone that I was that particularly bothered about or attached to. So for mm-hmm. me, it wasn't that big a decision. It was like off you go, see you later. I don't care. I mean, did did was it more than for everyone else? I guess then, apart from yeah. me. Yeah. 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 I was the only person yeah. who didn't get him. But I, I mean, I I I went for the cure as well. Did everybody go for the cure? Yes, I I did. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that we've all cured, we all went for cure, none of us went for the, uh, yeah, just keep deceiving them, you know. <laughs> I, I actually uh, 
the first opportunity I got, I was ready to spill my guts. Yeah, I did. But, <laughs> but, the, you know, but there was some attack or something, wasn't there? I stopped you. Yeah, the, the, the shuttle kind of shuttered yeah. and, and was attacked or something. And then you actually got the second opportunity. And I, I don't know, this, this was my favorite leg of, of the, I think, the whole Mass Effect narrative. Like the, my favorite sort of sub-encapsulated part. And the reason, I mean, it was it was just so meaningful because it was such a big part of one, and then again in two, you know, finding, uh, you know, either I, I guess because for me it, it was Grunt, you know, finding Grunt in that capsule uh, in in two, but just the fact of of Morden Morden willing to sacrifice himself because of the fact that he doesn't trust anyone else to get it right. He knows right. that he's the only one that can do it, and and that to me. Uh, it was it was sort of charming because I, I thought Morden was one of the most intriguing characters from Mass Effect Two anyway. Yeah, it seems I missed out because he died in mine, doesn't it? Because for me, it was just like <laughs> some random scientist dude. I don't really know. Off you go, <laughs> some red shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the funny thing, I wasn't all that endeared with Morden. I, I I really didn't care one way or another about him. Um, it, to me, the the bigger really the, the big decision was the Krogans and and their their reaction to the cure and what they potentially were going to do. That is what hooked me into really getting into the story. And uh, you know, it's just funny to hear you saying how you were attached to Morden. I mean, I take him or leave him. Yeah, I mean, Christy, do you have any attachment to Morden, or were you not bothered? No, I really did. I thought he was really. I really liked him as a character, not only the conversations in Mass Effect 2, but also the conversations in Mass Effect 3. You know, he was – it was very interesting to listen to his perspective. You know, you ask him, well, now do you regret your decision to help with the genophage? And he's like, no, not, that wasn't a mistake. At the, at the time, that was the best solution. Now things have changed. Uh, so his his perspective was very unique. The – the, re- the wrinkle in this one that I don't think any of us experienced, and I had to do a little we- uh, internet research to figure this out. So you kind of had three options for the way you'd resolve this. You could either tell them immediately uh, that the cure was sabotaged, or you could lie about it, let the Krogan think that you had cured it, but don't you know? But don't cure it, or you could just go ahead and cure it. Um, and apparently, if you had, if Rex survived through the first two games. Uh, and you tried to deceive him, well, he obviously knows you pretty well, and he sees through it. And so you lose the Krogan support that you needed, which probably meant losing the Turian support that you were going to get for gaining the Krogan support as well. Uh, so I thought that was a very a very interesting uh, wrinkle in that. So I, I chose to cure it because I just felt like that was the right thing to do. But I had the same doubts that Greg had, where you know even Rex was kind of talking about restoring the Krogan to glory, and I was like, ooh. This could be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he wasn't quite as militant as Reeve, probably, but but he was still talking up a pretty good game. Did everyone get the Silurian support anyway? Because I did. Eventually, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I got the Silurian support, but it it seemed pretty minimal. Yeah. So you do, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, in one way, I don't know how much difference it would have made, but I guess it would have made a little bit of difference. So that was the first sort of major story point but the next one was the Cerberus attack on the Citadel um, right. so how did that go down for everyone because I've just read something here that I haven't really read which which is an outcome that didn't happen for me but maybe happened for someone here so how did it go down so do you want to start us off um, we'll go with Chris this time well I think I don't 
you know, I, I only did this one once. Um, I don't know what other, so there's really two major factors that come into it. One is if, um, oh dang, what was the guy's name? The drill, the really cool one. It's escaping Thane. me right now. Thane. Thank you. Thane. So if Thane survived Mass Effect 2, then he would be on the Citadel, and there was a pretty awesome little cutscene with him fighting um, Kai Lang. Kay, Kay Long or Kai, Kai Lang. Lang. Yeah. And I, so I guess perhaps the Salarian ambassador might have died if he wasn't there to intervene. Um, so that might have been different. But so for me, he intervened, uh, and we were able to save the Salarian ambassador. Then we fought through the thing. And then at the very end, Williams shows up. And you have kind of a chance to interfere there. And I think I ended up shooting Udina uh, as soon as Williams turned her back. And that was kind of the end of it. Now, interestingly, that, that comes up as a renegade prom, doesn't he? Yeah. Which I felt wasn't really a renegade prom because it was either the, the counselor was going to die, you know, the ambassador, or you killed Udina. And it seemed a pretty... And I don't know if you didn't do that, whether the, the counselor still dies or not. Does yeah, anyone... So yeah. that's- that is interesting. So um, for my playthrough there, uh, one, uh, somehow, I, and maybe I just don't recall it, but I completely missed out on Thane. I, I do not recall seeing him at all within this game. So Did he, did he, die, did he die in two for you? He must have done. He must have. Yeah, he, he must have. have. He sat in the so, hospital. That's where you meet him. Right, and and I, uh, the only thing I, well, in fact, Ashley, I saw Ashley Williams in the hospital. So Thane must have died in Mass Effect 2 for me. I just didn't recall it um, because it played out. Yeah, he wasn't sitting like in in the room where, in the hospital room where she was. He's actually like sitting out in the lobby. Yeah, he's around the corner as well. He's he's sort of hidden away a little bit. In my encounter with uh, uh, Udina, I went to, you know, I was trying to, in a sense, kind of run interference, and then I came across Ashley Williams. I ended up killing Ashley Williams. Yeah, that's a, that's what I was just going to say. That's an outcome here. That didn't happen for me. I sort of talked around yes. to the fact that Udina was sort of bad, but you obviously yeah. didn't do that. <laughs> no, I, I killed Ashley Williams and then killed Odina. God, that would have been so, shocking. <laughs> yeah, Ashley Williams uh, basically uh, uh, jumps in front of my shot with uh, with the ambassador, and then, well, in, in essence, I had to shoot her uh, to get to him. And I was hoping it was just going to wound him, but I was just like, you know, or wound her uh, to get to him, but it ended up killing her. I was like, okay, <laughs> I just killed Ashley Williams. <laughs> wow, and I think as well, in in light of what happens at the very beginning of the game, you know, when she gets smacked against the ship and you think she's dead then at that point, it's probably doubly shocking when, when you've sort of saved her and then you actually kill her <laughs> in a way. So did anyone else kill Ashley or Caden, depending on who you had left? No. Did anybody actually um, have Caden? No. No. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone saved Caden. No. It was like, oh, off no, you go, to your death. That was annoying. Yeah. Why too much? Annoying. Ashley that might have been racist, but Caden was just too annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's funny everybody picked the space races. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, interesting, yeah. even though Ashley killed Rex in my game, I still sent Caden to his death. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? I was pissed off at her as well for doing that, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So you, so that's interesting that you had that happen to you, because that certainly didn't happen to me. Uh, but it felt good, I must admit, when I did the, the Renegade trigger pull, I was like, yes. 
you know, when it's yeah. showing me. It was it was very satisfying, I have to say. See, I didn't do, I didn't, I didn't pull any any trigger. I didn't kill anyone, and somehow, and I can't remember how, but Udina ended up dead anyway. Yeah, probably Ashley. You know, she just shoots anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was like some kind of you know, like Mexican standoff or something like that. It was it was weird. I don't know. And you know, I don't know. The, the Citadel for me is just so forgettable that I I don't know. I really didn't enjoy this part of the game anyway. But. Did you did you have the weird outing with Garris? By the way, did everybody have that? Yeah, that was great. Yes. That was the best. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I did like that. So we all did the the shooting thing. Yes. Yeah. Now let me ask now, you another question. question. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm going to ask, don't <laughs> yep. you? Did you yep. did you let him beat you or did you beat him? I beat him. Uh, yep, me too. He, I let him beat me. Yeah, note. I let him beat me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nah. we had two beats. Too I had to keep him. that. Keep that Turian in his place. He always had to know he was second best. <laughs> right, remind him who's the boss. That was. Yes. I like that though. It was a cool. That was one of my sort of favorite little sidey things to do. You know, because I hated the the what were the side missions. You know, but that was, that was a, just kind of a cool sort of thing to happen, really. So, I was, can I ask before we move on, who who did you have sex with then? Who did everybody have sex with in this one? Come on, you've got to get it out there. All right. All right, Liara. Miranda. Liara, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miranda. It was that that sort of uh, little quest where you meet her in the room and she's looking for her sister. It's the beginning of that quest, and and there is the dialogue option that is literally "shut up and kiss me." Yeah, yeah. Which, which, by the way, sex with Miranda, completely underwhelming this go round. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, what, what, wait, fade too. to black already? What? Not even a bra <laughs> shot. Come on. So not not as good as the engine room then. No. <laughs> not, as, not as good as the high school romp in the engine room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's interesting because I was, obviously, I'd have a, had a bit of how to, you know, how to do with Miranda in, in the second one. And obviously, you meet up with her and she goes, you know, a thing's still on with us when, the, you know, when this is all over and all that kind of talk, uh, which I did with her. And then, sort of, as soon as the back was turned, I was in there with Liari. You know what I mean? I was. Uh, yeah, my shepherd was a bit of a slaggy, has to be said. You know, he was <laughs> he was trying to get off with everybody. You know, he had nothing to do with me. You know, he was, he was just doing it. You know, I had nothing to do with it. So it was Miranda for everyone, was it then? And Liara, yeah, Liara for me. Yeah, she was she was kind. Of, I don't know. She was seen more appealing in this game for me, or, or was it just that the opportunity presented itself for you? I, I find Liara to be a, of of the side characters. She's one of the more interesting. Uh, so that's why I went that route. Can I just ask, actually, talking of Ashley, did everybody get the pissed Ashley uh, scene? Yeah. How weird. Yeah, at the very that... beginning? No, mine was, well, no, mine was quite way into the game. Oh, you mean drunk Ashley, yes. Yes. Sorry, yes. not pissed yes. off. Yes. <laughs> drunk Ashley. Yeah, pissed is a UK phrase, I guess, for being drunk, but yes. yeah. Yeah, it took me a minute to translate there. Yeah, yes, I did have the drunk Ashley scene. How weird was that? It was a bit bizarre. I mean, it was weird in Tabutcher's. Ashley has asked to see you in her quarters, and when you got there, she was just pissed on the floor and didn't really say a lot. And it was like, is that, what? <laughs> what? Well, she had a lot to say before when she constantly accused you of, of being a, a, an undercover Cerberus operative every five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for the whole Mars mission. Oh. Like, shut up. I know. <laughs> she always had something to say. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of funny. So so we've all sort of the Udina thing. We all sort of killed him in the end one way or another, even if we didn't mean to, you know, it happened to, to die. I kind of knew from Mass Effect 1 that that guy was dirty. So I was I was, I was was glad of the opportunity to shoot him, to yeah. be honest. I was happy about it. I, it 
this is a minor point, and it's it's back to Mass Effect One and Two, really. But at the end of Mass Effect One, you had the option to pick whether you were going to recommend Anderson or Udina to be the first human counselor, and I recommended Anderson, and so I was a little annoyed when I got to Mass Effect Two and found out it was Udina anyway. Do you know? Uh, I couldn't remember who I'd recommended. Yeah. It was that I knew I recommended Anderson because Udina was a freaking chotch and I wasn't going to recommend him. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I did the same thing. Yeah, so that's kind of annoying that he was sort of in charge, I guess, in that yeah. case. Yeah, that's well, interesting. Before we leave the, the Citadel as a topic, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the scene with Thane on his deathbed. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Um, yeah, that was very good. The most moving part of, of Mass Effect 3 for me, uh, and I was playing a male shepherd, so I didn't catch on to it until the very end where, you know, his son is there and he's reading the book of prayer and, you know, he asks Shepard to read with him and the prayer ends up being for Shepard, not for Thane. Yeah, yeah, I thought that, that was, was kind amazing. of cool. But did everybody wow. read the prayer then? Because you had an option not to bother, didn't you? You asked yeah, him to read it. Yeah, yeah I did. Greg, Greg has no idea what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he was dead <laughs> in the old game. It's interesting what you miss out on by having characters die, I guess, in previous yeah. games. Yeah. And, so well, and this is... Back off. This is actually what I like about the game, though. This is... You know, I love hearing that, holy crap, I missed out on this entire scene. It doesn't anger me. It actually makes me more impressed with the game. Because it truly does tell me that this game did have variables that mattered and that it, it impacted the game. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I can see that, and I think that's probably what makes it cool, because otherwise, when, when we're talking about it now, we would just all be saying the same thing, wouldn't we? And there wouldn't be any differences. The next bit for me was probably the most mouth-open bit for me because of what happened Yes. Uh, because of, yeah. obviously the guests fighting the quarians and, and you had to go and sort of assist them. So how did this play out for everybody? Because mine was proper like, wow, what uh, what the hell happened then? Uh. <laughs> I think I had the best outcome, uh, if there is a best outcome for this one. So I'll, I'll wait till the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was pretty angry. Steve, yeah. how, how did yours go down, Steve? So nearing the end... Uh, you know, after the whole uh, assault and the whole like super huge Reaper battle where uh, Shepard, when you strafe, he got caught on every little nook and cranny that was sticking up out of the ground. Uh, I was given the opportunity to, you know, obviously make the the choice as to whether, uh, you know, the 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 Geth become sentient, pretty much, you know, and. Man, I, I I can't I can't even tell you how angry I was when right in the middle of uh, what was what was the Geth's the Geth party member's name Legion 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 yes yeah. yes so he's he's starting to upload it and I'm telling him go ahead upload it do it and Tally makes you know this huge scene about you're gonna kill us and everything and I'm like whoa 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 you know I've I've had Corian pretty much support you know basically the whole time here and you know eh, Tally we go way back you know what can I say and I stopped it and all of a sudden Legion freaks out and I had to shoot him and that was it the Geth were yep. finished done yeah we we had the same ending Steve or same outcome for this uh, this one the funny thing for me. I really liked Legion, and because I liked Legion, I knew 
for whatever reason, in the back of my head, I knew that this decision was basically either going to – I mean it was going to kill Legion or keep Legion, and I really wanted to keep Legion. And so I was hell-bent on I'm going to keep the – you know side with the Geth, and Corian's tough luck. Uh, Tally was already dead in my world anyway, so uh, the, uh, the, the person that was pleading to me was just some uh, – uh, Corian, I forgot what her name was, but anyway um, – so you know, I'm I'm going through, and you know, it's like it's telling me, okay, you make this decision. Geth become sentient, you know, they're they're living, breathing, whatever you want to, however you want to put it, and the Corians are basically done for. And every time I heard that, I was just like, okay, really, this is wrong. And, and I, I, you know, the way I kept thinking, you know, the Geth are nothing but machines. As much as we want to make them out to be something more, at the end of the day, these are robots with very advanced AI. Created by the Quarians. Created by the Quarians. And here I'm now saying I'm going to kill an entire race of beings that created these machines because I just really like Legion. That was the only reason why I was keeping (laughs) them alive. And so I ended up saying, you know what, I can't do this. This is wrong. But do you not think – I was going to say, do you not think to a certain extent though, if you'd had – the conversations with him in two, where he tells you why he's wearing some of your armor and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, you definitely yeah. have a much more of an attachment to him than I guess you well, would otherwise. That's, that's, yeah, that was why I really liked Legion. I really did, and but I realized the decision I was making ultimately really was wrong. I, I there's no way I should be siding and saying I'm going to keep the Geth alive over the Quarian. But don't and they basically so, become Reapers at that point? I mean, it, theoretically. Well, I mean, not not exactly, but yeah. I mean, and that was. I mean, it was kind of. I was struggling with this, and then I was, and, and my last thought was, okay, well, if I make this decision, maybe Legion stays alive because in a previous, uh, and we haven't talked about this uh, particular situation, but it, it deals with the uh, Krogan and the Arachni. Oh um, God, yeah, I'd forgotten I had about made, that. I had yeah. made a decision. And thought I was killing off one of the Krogans, and he lived. So I was thinking, okay, maybe Legion will live through this. And no, he did. He died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should just quickly touch on that. Yeah, the Rachni Queen. Did everybody save her in the first game? Yes. Yep. Yes. And did everyone save her this time around? Nope. I yes. did. I did. Yeah. I, I don't think it made a huge difference. What I did note was in uh, kind of because it really didn't seem like it impacted the game. The Arachne come to your side. And then you get some emails saying, you know, the first email is like, oh, the Arachni are really quite useful and proving to be a benefit. And then suddenly it's the Arachni are now becoming really lazy and kind of a pain in the ass. And I I believe at that point when you get that email, your war assets actually go down a a couple ticks. So I don't don't ever remember getting that that email. It was in your it was in your terminal. Uh, There were a bunch of emails that were sent to you from. I, I mean, some base where the Arachne were helping with production. I do remember. Did anyone get a glitch where sometimes your war readiness would would appear at naught percent, and yeah, and it was only when you looked at the sort of the galaxy map and went back in that it went back to what it should have been. No, because I because I shit myself the first time that happened. I thought, shit, what have I done? Have I done something here in the game? Oh my god, I've made a really major booby because it's gone down to naught percent. Help! Uh, but it hadn't. It was just some weird glitch that I had, uh, but didn't didn't happen very often. Um, now I I did the exact opposite of you two guys because I saved Legion, 
Um, but he dies anyway. It makes no difference, right? Even if you go with him and let him do his uploading thing, he actually dies. And I can't actually remember the reason he dies now, but he does die uh, before he's managed to finish doing it. And But he still gets it. He still goes into all of the rest of the Geth. And then they, they literally annihilate the Quarians and completely wipe them out. And the the worst part about it, obviously, I still had Tally, so, you know, I had some attachment to her, so it wasn't just some random. And she basically commits suicide when it happens. So mine was mine was frigging awful. It was awful. And, and the way she she's sort of backing away from you, because obviously in disbelief that you've allowed Legion to do what he's going to do. And it, it is a little, it's a little bit like the, uh, the Krogan thing, because you're given a lot of opportunities to stop him from doing it. You know, it sort of gives you about three opportunities to stop him doing it. Um, but she basically backs up to the edge of the cliff and just sort of falls off backwards. And you get a, a sort of Paragon trigger, so I pressed it, thinking, fine, he's, you know, and he runs to save her, right? Dives off, goes to sort of grab her hand to stop her from falling. And it's literally like, you, you know, the scene out of uh, Cliffhanger, you know, where he's sort of trying to save his wife and she drops anyway. <laughs> it's like that. And you can just see her falling down into this, you know, into this abyss. And I was just like, no. And then, and then there's a cut scene showing all the, the quarrying ships being destroyed in space. And I was like... Just to rub salt in the wound. Yeah, I was like, shit. <laughs> and I was sat there, and I must have been sat there for about a good two or three minutes just looking at the screen, thinking, what did I just do, right? And it was interesting, because I told, obviously told someone at work and said, uh, you, you know, we'd played it. I was like, I couldn't believe it, right? And he's like, why don't you just go back to your save and change it? I was like, no, because, you know, that's what happened. That's what I did. You know, I just had to live with the consequences of my decisions at that moment, you know. But I had no... I think the the worst thing about it for me is I had no idea what was about to happen. You know, I didn't realise to the extent of what was going to happen. But So, Chris, you, you got the best possible outcome of this, so come on, tell us about it. Well, I suppose this was the, the happiest outcome. So I, I don't know what the variables were that were different for me. Uh, the only thing I can think of is rescuing the one admiral. So there's there's like the one hawk. There's the one admiral who's a real war hawk, and the other one who's kind of advocating uh, a reconciliation. And and you right. have to go rescue the one that's advocating a reconciliation as kind of a side quest. So I don't know if you all did that or not. Um, well, and you could and you could choose to do that first or second uh right on that well, there, uh, yeah there on that quest missions in that story right. arc and you could do them in any order right and i'm wondering if the order in which you did them affected that yeah and i'm maybe. also kind of wondering if your decision on whether or not you were going to save the geth or uh save the Corians, you know kind of when you decide to make that decision because they give you yeah. the three opportunities yeah if you stick to your guns if it plays out differently than if you change your mind midway. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think maybe so. So I, I, so I, to me, when I approached this story arc, it was like, okay, I need to, uh, they want me to sabotage this fighter squadron. So I, those were kind of preparatory missions. I was like, all right, if I do these things, it'll probably make my life better on the third mission. So I did the side missions, if you will, first, um, and so then when I went to the main quest and I had I finally got to the end and I thought this was a really awesome scene because uh, Legion starts talking to you about what he wants to do and he's like, you know, he looks at you and he's like, does this unit have a soul? And the camera's like kind of over him and on Shepard's face kind of zoomed in. It was like really well done from an art direction standpoint. Anyway, uh, 
so I initially was like, no, you, you can't do this. You can't wipe out this, the Quarians. And so Legion starts pleading his case. And after he finished pleading his case, I was like, all right, fine, do it. And then Tally's like, the answer is yes, Legion, you do have a soul. And so Legion upgrades all the Geth and all the, and the, the, the one admiral that's advocating reconciliation calls off the Quarian fleet so they don't hammer the Geth while the upgrade's going on. Uh, and then the Geth are helping the Quarians rebuild, and both fleets are helping me out. So that's like I think that's the best way that could have happened. Yeah, uh, app- apparently it is, it's also dependent on choices that you made in the previous two games as well. Yeah, like maybe if Tally's loyalty, uh, you know, loyalty mission from Mass Effect Two and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so probably, I was I was happy with the way that turned out. Probably didn't help me much that she was dead. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to Yeah, and she, and she died in mine anyway, so she was dead in mine as well after. And her name appeared on the board pretty promptly, I have to say. <laughs> Out of curiosity, I, I, I thought I had seen something about at one point or another uh, a Corian uh, takes her mask off. Well, Tally takes her mask off um, after that from- scene, right? But she's got okay. her back to the camera. Ah, okay. And, and so what's funny is I did some I did some googling just like around Kenny. the internet. <laughs> yeah, just like Kenny. <laughs> um, I did some googling around the internet just to see you know if if there was some way that I could have seen Tally with her mask off if I did something differently. Just curiosity, right? Um, so somebody who was playing the game on the PC put a video on YouTube where when it gets to that scene and she's going to take her mask off, they actually froze the game and moved the camera around. Okay. Uh, so you can see the front, and all that happens is she puts her hand up to her face. Uh, a Quarian mask spawns in her hand, and then she moves her hand away so you can see the mask, and the mask is still on her face. <laughs> ah. ah, you see, they knew, they knew. I mean, it's a bit like, I mean, one of, one of the coolest things like that is in Portal Two, which Greg will not know anything about because he still hasn't <laughs> played one of the best games ever made. Um, I know, but there's a bit where Wheatley says he's going to do something, and you're not allowed to look at him. But Duke figured out if he put the portals in just the right place, he could actually watch him do what he was going to do. <laughs> and he did okay. do it. So he could. You, you can actually watch him do it, which was kind of cool. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Duke did. Sorry, sorry to digress. That's, so that, yeah, for me, that was probably, for me, the most emotional part of the game, apart from the Thane death scene. That was uh, pretty like, yeah, I was, I was pretty gutted. I sat there really. You were angry, yeah. Steve. I was gutted. You know, I was sad <laughs> yep. that a whole I'd, I'd literally caused the extinction of a whole race of people at that point. And, and I guess it was probably more impactful with my ending as well, I guess. Cause it was it was yeah, it was definitely an, an impactful moment on kind of a lot of levels. I mean, you, you had the impact of just either, you know, Legion or Tally or, or, you know, somebody with the exception of Chris's situation, somebody died and and it was. You know, pretty important bad. character, um, and then the other part of it, which you know to me was huge, was the implications of wiping out the Geth or wiping out the Quarians. And and while it didn't really play out a big role in the game ultimately, just in the canon of Mass Effect Three, in my world now, the Geth are destroyed. Yeah, and you the know? Quarians in mine, you know, they're gone for good. Yeah. 
I think as well what's what's sort of interesting with that is obviously Chris had the the perfect ending, I guess, to that quest line in so much as he had both of the support. So he'll have had more war assets, I guess, from that with you know, whereas we only got one or the other. Which which obviously yeah. had some in my game because I only had so I ended up with and it's just ridiculous, I ended up with four thousand nine hundred and ninety five and apparently to get the best best possible ending, which is just an added ten second cutscene. I needed five thousand, so I was five off at the very end of it all. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So we'll come to that. We'll come to Mass that. Mass victory data pad. I know. Yeah, I should have done. I only needed five. <laughs> um, let's come. Let's come to the Asari homeworld. So you have to go and pick up um, the Crucible's sort of secret relic that'll help you right. sort of finish making it. Um, so how did this play out? I don't think there was that much variation in this, but there may or may not have been, but in, I, I think this was pretty standard, really. Yeah, I think it really only, really the only difference in this one is whether or not Samara was still alive and whether or not she was loyal. And that just made a difference in like the very ending cutscene. Yeah, because yeah. I had Samara still. Yep, so did I. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the the side quest to go to the Arun Yakshi te- temple. I'm thinking of a different quest altogether. Never mind. I was. <laughs> that's fine. But that was quite a good quest. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed this all too. Uh, that was that was the one where she was with her daughter. Yeah, yeah. or daughters, yeah. I should say. Yeah. And those awful yeah. goddamn Samarian Reaper things that scream yeah. at you. Oh. The banshees. Yeah. You oh, know what? God. Quite honestly, I thought that was one of the better battles and and just combat moments just because those things are so brutal and so terrifying and um there's a cutscene where you see one of those uh the the banshees grab uh, the daughter and pull her up to her face and those things are wicked looking and i just uh, i i thoroughly loved that mission yeah, they get a bit annoying towards the end then when you get like three at once along well, the Yeah, they're 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 tough to kill and certainly it's they're tough to kill kind of in a cheap way, but they they, they were they were uh, they were brutal. So what I, I like mean, it. how did he go with you because obviously you you get a bit of a message from the elusive man during that mission. Um did you get I mean I had the sort of the paragon choices, you know, to try and persuade him otherwise, but he seemed a bit irrelevant to me. I don't know whether he made any difference for anybody else. No, probably not. Yeah, I don't think it made any major difference. And that was the other thing. I mean, Paragon and Renegade choices in this game felt very random. And, and it kind of goes back to my just disliking of the whole Paragon-Renegade system anyway. Because in Mass Effect 3, it really felt like Paragon Renegade really didn't matter because you would pick Paragon or Renegade sometimes, a choice that was either red or white or whatever, and you would think, oh, this is going to be a good thing or this is going to be a bad thing, and it ended up being the total opposite of what you thought. I almost wish they just would have said, you know, like, action button, and you you select that whenever you might want to do something different, and you wouldn't know. Do you think this was affected a little bit by having the action mode available for people where they had to just do cutscenes without those choices available that's an interesting thought i hadn't really thought about that but yeah it might have been you know because obviously they couldn't have it too differing otherwise they wouldn't be able to do the action mode or implement it in the in the way that they wanted to i mean i I don't know anybody who's played through it in the action mode so i don't really know what's different about it i actually am right now playing through it in the action mode 
not right this second, but my second playthrough, I, I listened to a different podcast, the Gamers with Jobs, and they mentioned that playing it through in the action mode would be an interesting way to maybe see the way Bioware thought everything should have played out, you know, because all those decisions are made for you are made for you. Yeah. So I was going to try that out on my second playthrough. So how's it going so far? Well, I haven't gotten very far. I've only just finished the uh, mission to get the Primarch off of Palavin, so I haven't had any of those big impact moments yet. That'll be interesting. Chris, so uh, not to just jump in, but um, Chris, you you bring that up, and Steve and I actually were talking about this way back when the demo first came out on this game. And Steve was actually a little put off because the realization was – that there was kind of an established, this is the way the actual mm. story is supposed to go in Bioware's eyes, because that's the way it'll play out in the action mode. Yeah. Instead of it's it's truly, you know, the story will always be, you know, whatever you want it to be. It was, well, no, there really is a core canon story. And then from there, you can create your own diversions if you will or, or yeah on the flip side though it does the action mode differ depending on decisions you made if you'd played the previous two games then though or is it just the same whatever you've done i guess it has to based on yeah. characters that are alive and not alive but i think you know, it goes back to what steve said at the start of the show is they're really they're really spinning a tale you know there's a there's a central theme to the story and you can just have you can affect little bits of it here and there that make it yours, you know. But it's got to eventually, it's got to eventually converge at some, at some point that's common among most everyone or close to it anyway. So, do you think that was? Do you think that mode was put in there more for Bioware's benefit as this is how we think it should go, or for the benefit of newcoming players who hadn't played the game before? Then, uh, I think I think Steve might have some good thoughts on that. I mean, I think it was it was totally put in there to avoid the the criticism of Mass Effect Two becoming a shooter. You know, because you had Mass Effect One, which was an excellent RPG, but rather disjointed from a, a game play perspective, I guess. Um, and then you had the Call of Dutyizing of Mass Effect and Mass Effect Two, and now. I love the way that they've really blended the RPG mode of uh, Mass Effect 3. I think it is awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's what that's what exactly what scared me was, okay, if there's this mode where you make no decisions, then it does technically become canon. That that kind of scares me, but you know, by the same token, it's you know, I mean, I I guess there is something to be said for this is our vision and this is the way that the story is going to end. I think it's interesting yeah. because it suddenly becomes a third-person action game as opposed to an RPG, which was the original vision. Yeah, and yeah. it's funny. I, I did play the demo in the action mode, and it very much felt like uh, almost like an Uncharted game where you're watching, you have your action-y bits, and then you're, you're getting these cutscenes where you're just sitting back and you're, you're, you're just watching it. And um, I, I, I did like the action mode, I have to admit. It, it didn't put me off nearly as much as I thought it might. Um, and then just kind of going back to what Steve was talking about, I think one of the things that maybe got really diluted in the messaging and, and the feel, Mass Effect 3 somehow uh, took on this persona of being this huge open world game that we were playing and, and we were creating up our own individual identities similar to like, say, a Skyrim. And the reality is 
we were playing as Shepard this and, and and playing in the story that Bioware created for Shepard. And there are areas where we can go and and kind of choose some different endings to it, but the reality is we were playing a predetermined story the whole time. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that's Bioware's thing, though, really. If you look at Dragon Age, you know, or any of those sorts of games, they're very sort of, they're very linear, really. In, in reality, you know, Mass right. Effect and Dragon Age are quite linear games, you know, with, with areas that you can explore. But you can't, I mean, even the areas you go to are, are pretty like corridor shooters almost, you know, with a little bit of an open area here and there and then another corridor and another open area. Yeah, but I I think that got kind of lost and I think a lot of people and, and where some of the anger I think arose and, and I'm sure we'll touch base on that, but um I think that kind of came from people really thinking of this as being this open world game where you crafted your own story. The reality is we we were never crafting our own story. We were just affecting some of the ways the story would play out. Yeah, definitely, and I, I I don't mind that quite so much because I think that's really how it should have been, you know, just subtle changes depending on what you'd done yeah. in previous yeah. games. I do think that, Chris, I think you're right, too. If you're playing action mode, <laughs> chances are you are not going to be importing a save. Probably not. Yeah, I would have thought very few people, apart from like like you're doing on the second playthrough, would play that the first time around. They would just carry on playing it yeah. as an RPG. So, well, and even that when I when I started the second playthrough, I didn't import my save uh, because I didn't have a save file as a femship, and I wanted to play it as a femship. But he still gave uh, you the choice then, right? Yeah, you still have the because you don't change it to action mode until you actually start the game. So you right. you have the choice to import before you. Uh, before you do that yeah i think that's kind of cool that it would still you know previous choices and like you say dead characters would still affect the action mode that's that's kind of cool i mean it must have taken a hell of a lot of programming and thought you know to even construct three different modes of play you know especially the two that are action and sort of because they someone must have had to sit there and decide on what you know like like we've just said you know what the outcomes would be in the action mode you know where you don't have any choice at all of what's going to happen yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, how did everybody feel about the Kai Leng? You know, the first encounter where you think you're going to kill him and then he escapes. Uh, I don't uh, like that. I don't like the fact that it gave you the impression that you might be able to do it, but then you don't. Yeah, I I think I had more of a problem. Not so much that I didn't kill him in that first encounter. I just had more of a problem the way that combat played out. Um, yeah, that was just it. Felt ridiculously punishing and and. Uh, kind of a, a different different level of punishing than the previous any of the previous missions. It was like suddenly you went into just this insanely difficult combat, and it was like, okay, where did this come from? You see, I was sort of i sort of a little bit the opposite because I thought he just sort of stood there and got stuck on stuff a lot, you know. When I sort of was fighting him, and it was worse with that shit thing outside shooting at you while you were trying to sort of kill him. Because there was yeah. a, there was a yeah. ship parked outside, and I, uh, at yeah. first I couldn't figure out where the bullet fire was coming from. <laughs> I was like, "Why am I dying? What's where's that from?" You know, please tell me it's it's not just me that Kai Leng has to be like the worst character in the Mass Effect series and the most like inanely randomly dropped in character. Yeah, I didn't really know yeah. where he came from, I, and I don't. I watched like as you were going through the Cerberus space. There were a lot of videos you could kind of watch to give you some backstory that you might not have otherwise gotten, and I still didn't really know where he came from. Yeah. Well, he was another yeah. N7 soldier, wasn't he? That's what he was. 
Um, because Shepard was a failure for Cerberus, wasn't he? Because obviously he defected in the end. Whereas Kai Leng was his was his next project. I get is, is the impression I get, and and obviously he was fully converted as to what Shepard should have been, but was yeah, I just. I, I felt like they did a poor job of kind of bringing his character into the game. Um, it was just like suddenly, oh, well, here he is. Here's this henchman soldier, which, I mean, there was plenty of opportunity to have kind of shown us maybe a little backstory to him, how he was created, show Cerberus creating him maybe, um, you know, something other than just suddenly this bad yeah. guy. Yeah, I think the other problem with him was he was a bit of a pantomime villain as well, wasn't he? He was a bit... Yeah. Over the top, almost. Oh yeah. Well, and he was the he was the stereotypical new blood. You know, he kept talking to Shepard as if Shepard was was getting old and and washed up, and the, and only three years have passed since we met Shepard. Uh, so I don't know how old he could really be. <laughs> you know, and plus uh, he's half machine, so how can he really yeah. be that old? I mean, I don't know. Uh, the, so, the other thing I kind of yeah, took right. from him was just that he was. Uh, kind of created because you knew at the end of the day elusive man who would be a bad guy was never he couldn't really be a bad guy because he was an older guy he was kind of feeble in kind of his overall uh, demeanor and so that, there's no way elusive man is really going to give shepherd a fight no so that, that is somebody that could give shepherd a fight but it wasn't his fault it wasn't the elusive man's fault he was indoctrinated and we'll come on to that <laughs> um <laughs> But going like, like as we've talked about the Cerberus headquarters, that's probably the final mission, and you get the uh, very similar to Mass Effect Two. The sort of you can do it now, but there's no going back once you once you commence on this. You know, once you start this mission, that's it. Uh, so, did everybody do it the first chance they were given? Uh, yeah. No. Ah, I no. did, but that was because at that point I had done almost every. I I was up to eight thousand some odd war assets, and I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, I was I was pretty much ready to to move forward as well. Yeah, I was up to four thousand seven hundred and about six side missions left, where I didn't know where any of them were in the universe. So I thought, fuck <laughs> it, I can't be bothered anymore. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yep, right there with you, Stu. Right there yeah, with you. I was like, I can't be asked trying to find a measly another thirty points here and there. I've I've had enough now. So yeah, I did it. But so, what did you do, Steve? So, what what were you up to? Your five thousand, or did you not have? Yeah, that? I was. I think I was a little over five thousand. But uh, I I still had. You know, I I'm I'm a I'm a side quest junkie. Yeah, but they're not even, even side quests. They're not good. I know. But they're not they're even not any sort of quests. They just go and scan the universe and come yeah, back with the fetchy. shit when you've got it. <laughs> they're the worst fetch quests ever. They are. <laughs> Honestly, to God, right? It, it, it sort of. Every time I did one of those, it was like, that's 10 minutes I'm never going to get back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, to God. Oh. I just did it for assets. That's all. Well, that's, you know. a, that's what I hated about the game. And I hated a little bit about the game that, and I've said this on the show, you know, that I hated that you had to play the co-op potentially to get, it, get your, you know, your assets up to enough. You know, and I hated that because I was like, why? I don't want to play the multiplayer. I'm yeah, not, not bothered. Really. I don't know? think it really matters. Yeah, not much. But I did have to laugh. Speaking of the side quest, how they they decided to completely scrap the scanning for minerals idea, uh, but then felt they needed to keep scanning in the game somehow. And so instead of scanning for minerals, now you would just scan the random planet that you came to that you you had to land on. 
or it had to pick up something from the planet. Yeah, and those um, stupid diddy frigging reapers chasing you around. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is that? Who yeah. thought that would look cool? <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? no, it's that was that was oh. very weak. And the giant foghorn every time one of them showed up. Yeah. I did I did like the foghorn. <laughs> I did like the sound of the reapers. Oh, that was I terrible. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I this this whole server's headquarter part kind of graded on me a little bit too, because Halfway through the Cerberus headquarters, you see the the carcass remaining of the human reaper, the big T six hundred from the yeah. end of Mass Effect two yeah. that I destroyed. Did yeah, everybody I kill up, it? Yeah. Did yep. everyone do yeah. that? Yep. Uh, it's a pity nobody saved it just to see what the differences were. So apparently it didn't matter, <laughs> you know. No. And that that was another thing where I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well your choices matter, but in that case it really didn't. And. I don't know. I, there were a lot of plot holes in Mass Effect 2, and we'll talk a little bit about that when we come to the ending uh, of, of Mass Effect 3. But, yeah, that, that kind of got me. Yeah, I, I was can't... just glad when I saw the giant baby Terminator thing that I didn't have to fight it again. Yes. <laughs> I was like, if they make yeah, me fight this thing, relieved. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. <laughs> I'll rage quit. I had some interesting stuff happening. That you know, Do you know when the enemy throw the smoke grenade so you can't actually see them to shoot them? Mm-hmm. But there was there was one part in that that bit there were they were from it. But if I sort of did a roll to the left, I could still see them from the opposite side, and it was just like a sheet almost. <laughs> they'd throw <laughs> another one, I'd just roll the other way, and I could still see them. But how did everybody find the the little videos that you got sort of throughout? I quite like that idea. The the little tiny videos you got. It was neat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was uh, well well done on Bioware's part. And I, I feel bad for anybody that actually missed that, and they were decided to skip over that. I should say. Yeah, yeah. there was some good uh, some good backstory in there. I think there's some interesting things. I have a theory on the ending amongst all of that stuff, so we'll come to that when we get to the end. I think it would have been more meaningful if, like you said, in, in establishing Kai Lang, if they would have showed him and Shepard laying on this like like tables right next to each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. or, or something something along the lines of that, showing that, you know, these guys have more in common than they even themselves know, you know? Yeah, because he, he kept talking to, I mean, back, I, we already talked about this guy to death, but he kept talking as though there was some shared history. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. I just didn't know what that shared history was. Yeah, I just thought they must have served together at some point or been on the same, well, they were both N7, weren't they? So they both sort of been together at some point or on the same squad or something of that nature. You know, or captured. I don't know. It was, it, I, I agree. I do feel like there was some sort of relationship between them that we didn't really know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Interesting. So, so anyway, we all made it through Cerberus, and then we we get to Kai Leng a second time, don't we? You know, and the the sort of I guess the the game's big boss fight really. That was the hardest part of the game for me. Yeah, but you play. You were playing on silly hardness, weren't you? <laughs> yes. yes, he was. Yeah, that wasn't the hardest part for me. No, it wasn't for <laughs> me. Right now. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't for me. I'd... Oh, man. I, I, that that part of the game cost me 40 extra dollars. <laughs> one wrecked. It, one wireless controller equals $40. Did you seriously break a controller? Uh, yeah, I was wow. so angry. Wow. Yeah, that's a good. That's a, probably a side to stop playing games. Well, I, so, what was funny is uh, <laughs> I, I, freaking, I freaking jumped off the couch and power spiked the controller. And bits of it went flying all over the basement. And uh, I was like, all right, at this point, I should probably take a break. Uh, And so so I took a break, and I came back the next night and beat him on the first try. I was like, fuck me. 
<laughs> Jesus, that is that is seriously, yeah. God, well, the, you know what? What it was is I had done that. Oh God, it had to be twenty times. And that one time, I had gotten it down to where his shields were gone, and he had just a sliver of health left. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna beat him. And then he used his whatever the whatever the the shock palm shaker thing that he has in his hand that just kills you from wherever you are. Oh yeah, just bam. And I was like. Anyway, sorry. You see, mine was a bit of an, an anti-climax, really, because he sort of ended up next, you know, when he does that bouncing around thing. Mm-hmm. And he ended up right next to me, and I just did a, a melee attack on him, and that was it. <laughs> sort of Good killed him with a melee attack. It was proper, and Good I was like, you. no, but you know what was also weird? I didn't get the ending cutscene at that point either, um, because there was still one enemy left somewhere on the level, so I had to find mm-hmm. him and kill him first before any. So even though I'd, and that was a bit of a weird thing to happen because it's like when you kill the boss thing, you expect the cutscene, don't you? And it didn't, and I had to sort of wander around and find the missing person who I hadn't killed, and and kill them. So, so did everybody else find this a, a chore? Then I mean, I did get killed a few times, I must admit. But the the yeah. funny, like I said, the funny thing was when I did finally kill him, it was a, a melee, <laughs> just one melee hit. <laughs> It was very weird. Oh, by the way, can I ask, did everybody with the Kai Leng, did everybody do the Renegade option? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was so happy to stab that dude. Yeah. Dude had to die. Did we all feel it was a Renegade option, though, a Renegade action? Because I just... Well, it was was the proper... Yeah. That's one of the things I liked about the... this game was a lot of the Renegade options. Like, in Mass Effect 1, the Renegade options were to be an asshole. You know, hang up on the council or, uh, you know, don't help this person that you could help or steal this. You know, those were the renegade options. And then in Mass Effect 2, you had to, you know, stab the mechanic with his wrench or throw the guy out the window. You know, clearly kind of shady. But this, these were a little bit less, you know, not, not, not so blatantly bad, if you will. I, just, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of what it goes back to what I was talking about before. It's where, like, it seems like they had the Renegade and Paragon options in the game, but they really weren't Renegade or Paragon options. They were just options. They were, they were, you know, I mean, it was like it was a different action. You could perform an action and you'll get maybe a different cutscene as opposed to if you don't do anything right now. And I liked it. I agree with you, Chris. I, I, I preferred that it didn't, you know, you never knew for sure if you had you were going to get a renegade option or if it was just going to be kind of the reaction you would have normally done. Yeah, no, I thought, but I also wanted to know where was that glowy sort of stabby knife thing during the game? Cause that would have been cool. <laughs> you could go around stabbing people with that. I mean, it's like, where did that come from? I never had that in the game. What's he doing? He's making up weapons now. So after, so after you've done the service, obviously that isn't the end of the game. And then you, you move back to earth, don't you? To sort of do the final, Attack. To London, yeah, to London itself. It's a yeah. foggy London town, which which, which doesn't there look was a no fog, by the way, which doesn't look a lot like London, apart from the odd red telephone box in twenty one seventeen, which <laughs> for me was a bit of a weird thing because I was like, what are the chances? That, I mean, they don't really exist anymore now. <laughs> you know, a historical yeah. landmark, aesthetics, <laughs> yeah, historical landmark. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I was interested. It's London. We need something London. I know. A red telephone box. We'll put one on there. <laughs> red telephone boxes, Big Ben. Okay, good. It's done. Done. London. It's London. <laughs> um, so how did everyone find that final sort of 
part, really. But before that, you do the sort of go around all your squad mates, don't you? Talk to everybody. I like that. <laughs> you do the, you do the, honestly, that whole end scene where you're walking through and you're making peace with, with basically everybody in your squad. Yeah. You know, you're, you're walking up to each person and kind of moving on to the next person and the next person and you're, you're kind of making good, making peace with them. And the whole time I'm thinking about it, I'm like, dead man walking. That's exact. This is yeah. my death yeah. march. Yeah. I am. I am making peace with everybody because I am about to die. Yeah, and then and there's also the um, if they're not there in person, don't worry, we can get you a link. You yeah, know, that's right. Just one bit calm. <laughs> don't worry, we'll get a hologram. Of, you're just waiting on the other end. Just a minute, I'll get them for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Never mind the battle that's raging outside. No, they're waiting for you. They, they just knew at this point in time you'd be here. And they're ready for you on the other end of the line. I liked it, though. I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I liked it. You know, and obviously because I'd, I'd had the old bit of sex with Liara, you know, I had a bit of a final snog and this weird sort of cyber sex thing with her, which was even weirder because I had a full face helmet on, but she was still yeah. snogging me through it. <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you, Stu. And the funny thing is I didn't have sex with her. I had had sex with Miranda. But she still does that with me, but it really? comes across more as a friendship thing. Well, what was cool about that part is that that was a that was hearkening back to Mass Effect One. That was that was a, recre- a recreation of the scene from Mass Effect One, right. where she sort of helps you unlock the Prothean beacon uh, with the kind of Vulcan mind meld thing. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. It was cool. No, I liked it. I liked it. But you didn't snog her in yours then. No, it was like she just gave me a free hand job at the very end of the, the mission. Yeah. I was like, you know, here <laughs> nice. you go. Go to your death. Inappropriate. Very Sorry. nice. <laughs> and and did you get that, Steve, as well? Did you have the old uh, Liara yeah. snog? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, pretty neat. Very nice. So that, so that happens. Then you do the final push, don't you, for the, uh, for the beam that's going to take you up to the Citadel itself. Uh, yeah. Or is it? Or is it? Or is oh, it? and this is where the quite a bit of the controversy comes in, I guess. Well, and can I say the battle getting to that beam once oh, you get God. off of the death run and, and you 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 actually get into combat? That was some of the hardest combat that was made easy, unfortunately, by the fact that uh, you could bypass the enemies and just run and activate switches. Yeah, and that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Once I realized yeah. I I had no more missiles, no basically no more ammunition. Everybody around me was dead, and I had three banshees still to kill. I was like, <laughs> I'm yeah. running. <laughs> First time I tried that, I went running for the button, and you know the the reapers firing the giant laser at you the whole time you're doing this too. Right. So I went running for the button, and it was just at the moment that the giant laser came and it killed me. I was like, no, uh, but I made it on the second try. But the funniest thing about that as well, when you do finally press the button, it goes to obviously the cutscene and all those enemies have disappeared. Magically. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the magic button and I was so happy. <laughs> I was. I must admit, because I did that, that section, because that's the one where there's about three banshees and there's all sorts oh, yeah. of stuff going on. There's brutes or whatever the they're called. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think you're meant to fight all these. I'm just going to run. When I, as soon as you said it's activated and ready to go, I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my cue. I'm just going to leg it now. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's, so then, then you do that final sort of making it to the beam, don't you, where you're sort of running down the middle of the slight, just a big sort of furifer, I guess, straight down to it. 
And he seems a long way away when you first start running towards it, I thought. The 2257 equivalent of Pickett's charge. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is is where the controversy comes in because a lot of people think at this point Shepard bites the bullet or sort of, you know, doesn't necessarily make it, even though you sort of make it, if that makes any sense. Right. Well, I mean, in the game you get blasted by the beam. You hear people talking about no one made it to the beam we're retreating if i'm if i'm recalling this correct and please correct me if i'm wrong but i mean you're hearing this stuff like almost like radio chatter yeah. as your character is pretty much you know lifelessly laying on the ground at the beam entrance and uh so you're hearing all this and then you're transported up into the citadel. No, you still you still have to walk to it, don't you? Because you have to. Oh, shoot. that's right. Do, that's right. You get up. You yeah, get you up, do the get up, do the slow mo shooting thing against See, a few more enemies. I liked that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't yeah. mind it. You see, I, my impression was that he was just shell shocked and a bit half deaf, right. and that's why he heard the radio chatter yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right, and I took the same thing, but a lot of people are thinking, no, at that point, you were toast. Because they did say no one made it to the citadel, no one, no one got through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's this is the beginning of a, a lot of the big controversy. I can see that. I suppose looking back, but whilst I was playing the game, I didn't see that at oh, yeah. all. Yeah, you know? I, I honestly can say I had no issue with the ending while I played through it. Yeah. It was only looking back where I saw and felt like, okay, wait, there were there were some plot holes. Anyway, continue on. So then, so, we're, we're, so then we get into the ship, and they, I think it sort of eases off a little bit at that point, doesn't it? Once you're in there, there's not really any well, more major battles. Yeah, combat's battles. completely done. Yeah, there's no more major battles. You do a little bit, and then obviously you come to the elusive man, and I guess this is where you know you sort of have a quick chat with him. You know, um, how did everybody's dialogue go with the elusive man then? Uh, mine kind of freaked out as I tried to tell him how wrong he was and he was indoctrinated and he shot himself in the head exactly the same way that Saren did. Oh, you see, why can't uh, I get that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. He, uh, he ended up on my side, he shoots Anderson and then uh, I ended up shooting the elusive man. Yeah, that's what happened for me. What about you, Chris? Did you get to talk him into killing him himself? So, he shot Anderson... And then he shot himself. Ah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yep. Oh, why didn't I get that? You see, I, 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 I oh. got neither of those. I didn't get it in the first game. I didn't get it in this game. Ah. But it's a bit sort of reminiscent, I guess. You know, a bit similar to, to the ending of Mass Effect 1 in that, that respect. Then you've got your sort of, your main baddie, but he's not really the main baddie. You know what I mean? It's right. sort of, yeah, it's interesting. He's being controlled. Yeah. Very interesting. Nice parallels. Hadn't, hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right, it is. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So then we get to the final ending ending, I guess. Uh, where, and again, yes. at this point, you could think you were dead. Because obviously he does the final sort of trying to press the button and then, then sort of falters at the last second, doesn't he? And right. then and he gets transported into a very bright white light, you know, on the, yes. on the lift thing. Which, yeah, which it, I guess you know you could perceive as him being dead or not being dead. It's uh, yeah, interesting. There's a lot of ways you can. I mean, a lot of people can interpret it in so many different ways. Because I mean, you know, did he push the button? Did he need to push the button? Or was where he, you know, he came to his final resting spot? Was that just a 
transport up, and that was really where he needed to go anyway. You could also kind of do some kind of crazy correlation with he goes up into the bright white light, like, you know, walk towards the light. You know, we always have these similarities to death, and you, you're walking to the light as you're dying. You could make that kind of, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was alluding to, you know, the sort of, he's going up into heaven. Bless yeah. him. But then he wasn't, because then he gets up and he's still all battered and attacked and sort of, you know, or she right. is, I guess, depending on whether you're a femme chef or not. Um, what did you think about the last conversation with the recurring dream child then that, that happens throughout the game? Well, uh, again, this is where, you know, so much... I mean, come on, let's talk about it, because this is, this is the whole reason for the whole of the Reaper attacks and everything. <laughs> come on, yeah, let's get it out there. Well, so the kid, I mean, you have to, you, you, this is part of the big controversy, and I really didn't think it through when I was playing it, but, you know, the the, the Reaper Citadel, I, I don't even know what you would call it. I can't remember what the, the, the main Reaper name was, or the, the, you know, the thought was that it took the form of the child because it was maybe something that it picked up in your brain as being a friendly uh, apparition or you know a, a friendly view for you. Yeah, a kid that's and killed at kinda, the beginning of the game. <laughs> right, but it would ease, but it would ease you seeing the child apparition as opposed to seeing, say, a monstrous reaper. I, I sort of perceived it more as you didn't manage to save him, and and that's how you projected the the reaper child, and and that's why you saw it because you know you get your second chance to do something about it. You know what I mean? Which you didn't weren't able to. I, I completely took it as this was the Reapers basically taking a form that I would find friendly because the options that were then presented, two of which seemed to me very friendly to the Reapers, and they really kind of glanced over this third option that I could do if I wanted, but it would really be kind of bad. And that was uh, killing off everything or killing off uh, the machine, so to speak. Well, and the colors for the choices were supposedly backward, but really not. I don't know. know. I don't know. I mean, the kid thing. I mean, when you when you think back to the dream sequences, you know, because obviously he didn't manage to save him because obviously he gets in an air duct and then does a runner, and then the next time you see him, he's on the little shuttle, which then the Reapers destroy. Right. Obviously, him along so, with it, and then you spend all your dream sequences running after him, trying to sort of save him. In yeah, my opinion, but so yeah. so there is there is the indoctrination theory. We can talk about this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. is that yeah. the entire time you're playing as Shepard from Mass Effect One all the way through Three, the Reapers are basically trying to indoctrinate you, similar to what happened with Saren, and similar to what happens with the Elusive Man, where they kind of fool you into taking their side. And the child, what what part of this indoctrination theory is saying is the child actually is never there in yeah, any yeah. of the game. So Anderson never acknowledges you, yeah. him. Anderson doesn't acknowledge him when he's getting into the shuttle. Nobody bothers to help this little kid into yeah. the shuttle. They help everybody else, but not the kid. And so in the the theory is he's not really there. He's just a manifestation in your head that the Reapers are kind of putting in there. So this way, in that final, you know, when it comes time for them to confront you, they take the form of this child. It plays on your sympathies. If that's true, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. We all think if that's cool, if that's true, it's kind of cool. The problem is, or the big question is, 
Is it really true? Is it by design or is it just by absolute chance? To me, that's what it's always going to be. And like I have already told myself that that is what it's going to be, and this is this goes down as one of the greatest video game endings in history. Yeah, that's cool if it's true. Mm. Yeah, but I have another theory, and and this is probably a bit left field. Um, but when you you know when you're going through the Cerberus labs on the way right. to the end, in one of the videos, um, the elusive man says. You know, when effectively, because he said, how were you able to make him? And he obviously he says Miranda was able to do it, but effectively Shepard was dead. You know, it, right. And I, I think Shepard was already dead. I, I think all you are is, is just a synthetic uh, at the end of that game. And you, you never really were Shepard from the end of the second one. You know, or the so, end of the first one, in effect. So the whole sort of second and third games, you were you were just a complete synthetic and... You know what made you Shepard wasn't really there anymore. So there's an interesting thing about that whole the, the video sequence there that plays into the ending. And I was talking to Steve about this, and this is kind of one of my far-fetched other theories was that Shepard actually, you know, we talked about the key to getting the crucible to be the the weapon and and, and arming it to fire off against the Reapers. And one of my thoughts is that just maybe Shepard is actually the key. Yeah, and the elusive man knew this because back in Mass Effect One, we get all this Prothean technology downloaded into us, and us being the key now has you know that you know, becomes part of Shepard, and it needs to be unlocked. And the elusive man realizes this or knows this, and at that point when he saves Shepard in Mass Effect Two, the elusive man is still not indoctrinated. He's still on our side, trying to do what's right. And he specifically tells Miranda not to put any control mechanism into us that would be like a kill switch. And he, he wants us to be as you know kind of pure and left alone as possible because he realizes we are a key and he, he doesn't want a kill switch in us. Yeah. And yeah. has some and then, kind of Prothean je ne sais quoi right. in his makeup, I guess. And that's, and that's the whole reason why Shepard, you know, his manifestation or whatever in the citadel is so important because he truly is the key to unlocking the weapon that could kill the reapers and the reapers are doing everything they can to stop him this entire time whether it be kill him or fool him into making a wrong choice but then on the flip side of that that would suggest that the elusive man was a goody after all you know he wasn't you know, he was trying uh, we, to do we that. Did, we did kind of establish that that we 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 realized he was kind of like Saren he he got taken over and tricked so to speak, into working for the Reapers. Uh, whether you want to say he got, you know, just overly greedy, you know, or or he really was fooled or indoctrinated, if you b- believe into that. But I mean, we all kind of acknowledged that at the end. It was like he he really wasn't necessarily in control of himself. Yeah. But at some points earlier in Mass Effect Two, we definitely saw him kind of doing right for humanity. So did every? Can I ask? Did everybody get the three choices at the end? Because I only got two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I had three. I had three. Yeah, I only got two choices. I didn't get the middle one. I didn't get the blend synthetics and and people together. So I didn't. Yes. I didn't get that choice. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Mine was very black and white. Um. So what did everyone choose then? Destroy. Uh. Try to control. What did everybody go for? Kill them all. Kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I killed them all too. And the more I thought about it was my accidental 
you know, sort of genocide of, of the Geth played into that a little bit. I didn't feel as bad to destroy all of the, uh, you know, all of the AI, uh, you know, sort of, uh, races, I guess. But by the same token, destroying the Reapers was the cornerstone on which I promised everyone in the fleet yeah. in the Alliance that I, that's the way that I would win the war if it were possible. Yeah. And what about yeah, you, that... Chris? Did you go for destroy? No, I, I chose the, the middle ending, uh, for sort of similar reasons to Steve. So I, I couldn't, I had just before that made the decision that the Geth were indeed sentient beings. And so I couldn't rationalize to myself now turning around and destroying them. Uh, you know, that coupled with the fact that I had the crewmate in Edie who I thought was really cool and I couldn't see uh, wiping her out. And so I chose the I chose the, the synthesis ending. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. You said I never thought of it because I never thought of Edie at all because I I obviously saved the Geth. So I wiped out the Quarians and then at the end wiped out the Geth as well anyway. Which which was pretty terrible, you know, because obviously I yeah. I I killed two whole races of people in my game. Well done. I did that. I just didn't have enough room on that remembrance board anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Those millions of beans that I'd killed. Um, well, I mean, you you'd actually you know indirectly kill yourself as well because yeah, you're partly yeah. synthetic. Well, so. I was happy to do that because I felt like yeah. that to me was a just ending to the game because mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's a little bit religious again, I guess. But you were sort of sacrificing yourself to save everybody else, weren't yeah. you? That was a. I think that was a key thing for me. And in some ways, I'm I'm sort of pleased I didn't get the little ten second cutscene because in a way it made the ending more sort of finalised for me. You know, it was that was the end. You know, Shepard's dead. All the reapers so are dead. Didn't, you didn't get the the cutscene after that with nope. the Normandy and all that. Oh no, I got the Normandy cutscene, and in mine it was uh, Liara Garrus and Joker who came out on mine. But no, I didn't. I didn't get the final ten seconds with you know the N seven dog tags and and Shepard's potentially still alive or not. Yeah. Ah, got it, got it. Okay, I didn't get that. That's that's the only bit I didn't get for not having the five thousand. So the yeah. only difference between my ending and everyone else's who did destroy was that one tiny cutscene. Right, and I had the same people. Uh, actually, no, I take it back. I had. Um... So Liara and James emerged well, from my ship. Whoever was your final squad mates were the ones right. that came ah, out of the ship. Well, I always have yeah. Liara and Gareth, so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's kind of where it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's well, my that, big... that is a major plot hole. Yeah, well, dude, that's I where the whole that indoctrination right. theory breaks down. You know, they say, well, no one made it onto the beam, so the whole thing is a big hallucination. Uh, well, if if I've been lying there nearly near death the entire time that that hallucination was happening and they managed to get on the ship, why couldn't they pick my ass up and take me with them? Uh, kind of a thing, that. you know? <laughs> well, yeah, it, I mean, I don't know that it breaks down the indoctrination theory in my no, eyes, it, but what, no, it, what it, it really does, it's just a big loop or a hole. It, it's it like, just starts to break down the whole ending. Is well, what it I mean, yeah. The whole thing just I mean, kind of starts the Joker, to make sense. Joker escaping and then obviously getting swallowed up by the, you know, the black hole thing because obviously everything's breaking down. And then at that point, I, I can't understand how they ended up on a planet anyway because I assumed that, you know, it had just been completely destroyed, you know what I mean? And there was nothing well, here's the 
this is all that really needs to happen in in the months to come in in the clarifying you know post I guess epilogue DLC or or patch or whatever it's going to be. Right. I mean, for me, all I think is going to need to happen is okay. You know, Joker gets some kind of reading on the Normandy that says you know we're getting a weird energy spike from the mass relay, and actually we're getting a mass energy spike from every mass relay. So. Okay, radio the fleet. Tell them to jump out as soon as possible. So the fleet jumps out. The Normandy pulls up the rear, heads through the mass relay, and at that time, the signal sent out. The Reapers are either disabled, assimilated, whatever, and then the Normandy sort of uh, you know gets caught in the the uh, the explosion. But the only thing is, I guess if your two squad mates were part of the group that, you know, on the way to the beacon that said, okay, you know, pull everybody out, pull them out, everybody retreat. Uh, so maybe, maybe Shepard was the only one that got struck at, yeah. you know, near, near there. I mean, that, that I guess is to the, the, the real controversy we're talking about here. I mean, so the, you go through, you set off your decision, the Reapers are taken out, the mass effect relays start falling apart. And then suddenly you see the Normandy, flying through a mass relay and the, yeah. it, it basically kind of corrupting and, and breaking apart and you're not sure if the normandy is going to make it and then suddenly the normandy is basically out of control and crash lands into a planet the the big question is why is the normandy even in the mass relay Fleeing. when yeah. here it was you know it's your ship you were on the planet earth fighting in london the uh, the normandy was up there fighting as well you know why would they have suddenly jumped away and abandoned you and and the other big question comes in where where how did your crew members get onto the normandy because they yeah. were right with you running down that hill towards the beacon when you got flamed by the freaking beam so and, and to me i think that was what i that that to me i just automatically took that as oh cool the the crew of the normandy survived you know what i mean the big thing was that for me, if you can't, if you can suspend your reality in Mass Effect Two, for the main character dying, the main character being resurrected, he gets another ship that looks exactly like his old ship but has a new paint job, and he signs up all his buddies to work with a known terrorist organization, and then you fight a big Terminator at the end, and you have a problem with the ending of Mass Effect Three? Are you kidding me? I absolutely agree. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the ending of Mass Effect Two either. Well, neither was I. No, I hated that. That boss fight. <laughs> Everybody was ridiculous. It was awful. But it's interesting because the more you talk about it, the more it sounds like a you know a, a sort of Jesus religious thing, doesn't it? Really, mm-hmm. and there's yeah. something there, yeah. There definitely is, and even that that very depending on who you had as your final squad, it, it you know it struck me as a bit of a starting over, you know, on another planet, and you know the the only people there, and you know it was, it was a bit of an odd ending. So I mean I'm I'm okay with the ending ultimately. I've certainly I loved it. Yeah, I yeah. I liked it, and I think you know that... I enjoyed the ride getting through the ending. Yes. Yeah. Looking back, I really do want to see some of these plot holes cleared up, uh, and I'm I'm hoping they can do it effectively. I guess. Yeah. But that... it takes a good week though before it really sinks in. But ultimately, let's yeah. let's be honest here, right? Mm-hmm. Come July when this DLC comes out. Is anyone really going to be that bothered anymore? Because I know I'm not. I've already sold it. I've already got rid of it. It's gone. Maybe. I don't know. Just to see it. <laughs> I'm not bothered. Yeah, I'll, I'll just it, watch it on YouTube. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I, I think if I have to play through the finale again to get to it, I'm going to be a little irritated and probably not care at that point. Yeah. And I'll yeah. probably do the same thing and just watch it on YouTube. But I think also uh, the, the, they're playing a bit of a gambling game here because they've come out and said um, that the cutscenes you're going to get in the DLC will differ depending on the decisions you've made. So it'll be more personalized for you as a player. Oh, boy. So they're, they're, all, they're already putting out promises again regarding... I, I just think they're setting themselves up yet again, really. It could be. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be the... Uh... It's going to be the end of the Fallout 3 slideshow where you get some narrator that just walks you through what happened to everybody. And in the and in the ironically, the Batarians I, all died or something. I think I'll be okay with that though. No. I mean I, I I just I really want somebody to explain to me how my crew members got off the planet onto the ship. Why? And then escaped. Why? So you want like need... the ending of Breakfast Club? Yeah. Why do we you know need I mean? a like... full explanation of everything? I don't. See, I don't need. A, I don't. I'm not looking for heads. full explanations, dude. Don't get me wrong. I'm not looking for a full explanation. I still like the mystery behind the choices, behind the 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 child apparition, and potentially was this indoctrination? Was it not? But it really, I think, at least from my my two cents, I do need to have. It explained how my crew members that were literally right behind me, when I got blasted by this beam, decided to take off, leave my ass behind, jump in the ship, and then abandon the entire war fight, you know, the, the entire battle that was happening, and jump into the Mass Effect relay. Because Joker was a coward. <laughs> and and like if the... that's the answer, <laughs> fine. But that would be a nice explanation. Um, honestly, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, all the other fleets are now stranded because the Mass Effect relays are, you know, are broken, and and there's only one planet to sustain life." You know what? I could give a rat's ass. Yeah, I was you know going to say, I was there. It's no big deal, and it's only like a few squads of armies or whatever fleet. <sighs> and ultimately, you know what? Earth will be well defended. <laughs> well, we had already we had already established we we have Mars. I think the biggest Mars yeah. base. You the know, there's got to be a moon base. There's plenty of room. The biggest plot hole for me in the whole of that game is is nothing to do with any of that stuff. The biggest is why would they all rally together just to defend Earth and not worry about all the other yeah. planets? And then that's the biggest thing for me. I can't understand what benefit to them it would be to defend Earth or why Earth was so so important in all of it. Yeah. Including their own planets, yes, yeah. you know. But I, I will say that I like the fact that gaming, at least for now, gaming has its own Inception kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely like an Inception it. ending. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I'm absolutely fine with the ending. And the fact that we can discuss it and come up with different theories makes it cool for me, you know, rather than oh, yeah. having it totally cut and dried. And that's what happened. So the final thing before we go, because we, we do need to get off. This was meant to be an hour, but it's gone on way longer than an hour. <laughs> um, but the final thing, the final cutscene, you know, after the credits have rolled. Yes. Uh, I didn't like that. I thought that was a bit of a, a cheap sort of, ooh, just in case we do make another Shepard game. <laughs> the, breath. the breath yeah well that plus well, no no the final final with, with the old guy and his little kitty on a oh a, yes, on an yes, alien yes, planet yes. and he says go on go on granddad tell me another story about shepherd so you're like oh yeah there's another story about shepherd then <laughs> you know i liked it yeah i didn't yeah, i thought it was nifty yeah i like that scene did you yeah. 
It was, it was, it was a, I mean, it was kind of an endearing scene to see, you know, the old guy with the grandson, you know, telling a tale. And, and again, it leaves room for a ton of interpretation. Is this him just telling his son some made up stories? And that's what you were, that's what this whole saga was, was just this made up story that the dad had come up with. Is it, you know, uh, kind of legend? Yeah, that I mean he's that's that's passing his, along to his son. That's which the I kind of took I, it as. Yeah, it was like yeah. massively, you know, a long time in the future. Yeah, you know, right. that was sort of similar. I mean, passed down from generation to generation. You know, the right. legend and the other of the shepherd who saved the universe. You can also <laughs> kind of look at it as you know, was it legend? You know, this is what happened in the past, and this is kind of why you know we're now in this like kind of very non-techy environment. Yeah, actually, we never touched on that at all, did we? But the the whole reason for the whole of the games was the, you know, the Reapers were, you know, um, destroying civilizations that had made synthetics and leaving the ones that hadn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you weren't advanced enough, they would leave you alone. But if you were too advanced, they would wipe you out. And, and, and I guess really almost kind of like the Borg, they would kind of take you in, copy yeah, uh, you know, it was assimilation. Yourselves, yeah. Assimilation and yep. then destroy yeah. you. Yeah. I see I kind of thought that also maybe maybe this story of Shepard was just a story. Yeah. It was a a great story and this was a story to tell a kid. It was a great narrative. You know, yeah. it was a great space opera in the same way that, you know, back in, in, in the 70s, and, and it wasn't me to this point, but, you know, in the early 80s, that, that Star Wars was a space opera that just swept me off of my feet. I was I was head over heels about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it could be like the same thing. It, it could have never happened, but it's a great narrative. Yeah, right. I was I was just going to say, finish off by saying, you know, no matter what way you look at it, Mass Effect from 1 to 3 is a huge achievement, I think, in gaming. Yes, you know, yeah, as a narrative definitely. story, and and also, you know, even though they maybe didn't pull it off as well as they could have done, the fact that you had this persistent character that went through three games and that decisions he made actually had an effect in the end, if, if not as critical as you thought they might be, you know, it still had an effect on the final game. I mean, it's it's a huge achievement, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I agree. The ability to bring your story along with you over three games is something that the industry has never achieved before. Yeah. It was. It truly is a, an amazing feat, and hats off to Bioware. Even with the controversy, I am thoroughly pleased. Yeah, I would like to seen it though with without EA's influence. Like we've seen Dragon Age Origins and how good it was with minimal bio with minimal uh, Electronic Arts influence. Different discussion for yeah, a different. Uh, that is definitely a different <laughs> discussion. That's a that's two hour topic. Right it there. is right there, right there, and and as we know, they have been voted the worst company in America. The yeah. worst company in America. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a bit excessive. We have a lot of whatever. we have a lot of them too. A lot <laughs> yeah. of bad ones. So that's it. Is anything anyone anything else to say before we wrap up and get out of here? I think we've covered a gamut. <laughs> I think we have. I think we have. So and that's it really, I guess. So on, on that note we need to um, go and, and leave everyone else to decide what they think is the real reason for everything in the game. And uh, hopefully we've given people some food for thought, I suppose. So thanks for listening, everybody. And that's it. You want to say some goodbyes, everyone? Good night. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. Total pip. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.